What's up, family? It's your uncle therapist, Clifton Brantley. I am the host, and I am glad that you are joining me for this episode of Who Taught You? So today's topic, we're going to talk about who taught you how to have difficult conversations. Like, who taught you how to have difficult conversations? That's what we're talking about in this episode. Uh, man, you know, it's interesting to me, and I, I say this often, but we humans, right, the thing that we do is communicate. Like, as a human being, you if you're alive, you cannot not communicate. You feel me? Like, you cannot not communicate. So even when you're silent, even when you think you're shutting down and trying to shut someone out, you're still sending messages. But as much as we communicate, it still fascinates me that we communicate so badly. Like we, we still suck at communication uh, by and large. And what's even more interesting is that if you were to ask people, you ask the overwhelming majority of people, uh, what is the key to success in a relationship, like what's the what's what's the one thing that you must be able to do? Almost everybody will say communicate communication. They'll say, hey, you need to be able to communicate. So even though it is <laughs> it's like universally known, almost. It's not universally practiced as far as getting better. Right. Because if if everybody was committed to being better communicators, then I'd have more people coming into my office, better communicators, right? Does that make sense? So uh, today we're going to talk about communication, but, you know, having difficult conversations, sometimes having difficult conversations are not easy, right? And I say sometimes because sometimes, you know, I guess depending on the person, depending on um, the topic, it can be, right? But you may you may be struggling at having difficult conversations. So I want to talk about that. Uh, in this episode, and I have 15 guidelines, like 15 things for you to remember. I know that sounds like a lot, but it won't take long. Go through these 15, 15 guidelines for you to have difficult conversations, for you to be for you to be better at having difficult conversations. OK, my goal is to help you uh, improve your relationships, improve your marriage, improve your life. And uh, the better you can communicate, the further you can go in your life. That's just in general. Communication is one of the highest values of, um, I forgot what the term, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, but but uh, when it comes to communication, you, let me say it this way. You can make more money being a communicator than almost any other job. Because even if you're a CEO of a company, you may be there because of your communication skills. I'm a communicator. I use my communication skills to communicate a message to the masses, right? So this is an example of how communication can open doors for you. But if you cannot communicate or if you cannot communicate effectively, you're going to suffer. And that's, you know, uh, don't miss what I just said. You are going to suffer, not you're going to make other people suffer. They may suffer trying to understand you like, man, like, geez, I can't understand you. But outside of that, you're going to pay for not being able to communicate. And so in life, doing human relationships, you are going to have difficult conversations. 
And you need to be able to uh, navigate those uh, rocky waters effectively. That's what I want to help you do uh, in this episode. So uh, what are the what are the guidelines for having a difficult conversation? I'm going to go right into these uh, because I don't want it to, you know, take forever. And, and I say, you know, it's 15 is not going to take long. But the way that I the way that I <laughs> talk and, you know, start going down a rabbit hole and whatnot, we want to make sure that we get all the content. in. So. All right. So here's the very first guideline to being better at having difficult conversations. Okay. Uh, and actually, before I get to that, instead of adding a 16th one, let me just say this. I'll say this like as a, a prerequisite because uh, this is not on the list. Don't avoid difficult conversations. How about that? Okay. Do not avoid difficult conversations. Okay. Now, if you avoid, if you avoid, if you are avoiding difficult conversations, because of some of the things that I name where I'm telling you, hey, you know, do this or do that. That's different. But if you are uh, if you are avoiding difficult conversations just because you're afraid to do it, uh, you, you don't want to do that. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt your relationship. OK, you're going to hurt your partner. So um, let's go. So here's number one. Number one. Plan time to talk. Set aside a specific time to have this difficult conversation. Now, when you set aside the time, make sure it is a time that you both agree on. Right. You both need to agree. Don't come up with a time yourself and then just expect them to adjust their calendar. You guys sit down and come up with an agreed upon time when you're going to have this difficult conversation. Allow, Allow yourself at least two hours not that you're going to be talking the whole two hours, but I'm just saying at least uh, block out a two hour window to have these difficult conversations. Because one thing you don't want to do is rush through a difficult conversation. You don't want to rush through a difficult conversation. As a matter of fact, let me let me can I can I back up? I want to back up without starting over, but I want to back up and do this. So I gave you number one, but let me back up a little bit and talk about some things in general. When it comes to communication that you already need to have in your tool belt, right? You need to already be doing these things. And this is not part of 15, but this is just let's call this prerequisites, prerequisites to having these difficult conversations. Okay. Um, So number one, don't criticize. Okay. These are not the guidelines, but overall, don't don't be the kind of person that criticizes your partner. Right. Criticism is not helpful. Criticism is one of the four horsemen by John Gottman. And it's not something that you want in your relationship. Also, as far as it depends on you, be a source of pleasure, not a source of pain for your partner. Okay, be a source of pleasure. Like make make that your make that your goal. I want to be a source of pleasure for them. Another thing, be approachable. What do I mean by that? Don't 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 send the message with your body language and with your face that uh, you don't want anyone to come talk to you. Like be approachable so that your partner don't feel intimidated or so they does they, they don't, um, you know, well, they don't feel like talking right now. So let me not. They don't look like they they look like they're not in the mood um, to hear nothing I have to say. And then that becomes, man, they're never in the mood. Right. So be approachable. 
And then don't be easily offended. If you're the kind of person that's easily offended, then um, it's going to be hard to have difficult conversations because the nature of a difficult conversation is there's probably going to be some things in there that could make you feel offended. So you got to work on that. Okay. here's another thing. Think before you speak. Don't just don't just blurt out words when you're communicating. Like think before you speak. Right. Be a conscious speaker, not just a subconscious speaker. Like speak. Think about what you're going to say. Form your words correctly so that you have to retract your words less. Right. You, you don't have to say, you know what, forgive me for what I said or I take that back or, you know, you don't have to spend a whole lot of time trying to convince the jury to uh, strike what they heard from the record. Right. <laughs> Think before you speak. And then this one, I, I just like this one personally. Right. Um, and this is in general. Right. This is not for difficult conversations um, only. This is when you're speaking, period. When you're talking to your partner. Don't use profanity towards them. OK, um, really, I would say don't use profanity at all. But, you know, it, don't use profanity towards your partner. And when I say towards your partner, I'm not just talking about like cursing them out or like calling them a name. Even if you're explaining something that they did or how you feel and you use curse words, don't do that. Right. Just try, get rid of profanity. OK. So, all right. So now get back to get back to these 15 guidelines. So I already gave you number one. Right. The first one was plan a time to talk. Here's number two. Number two is make sure that the conversation happens face to face. OK, make sure the conversation happens face to face. Why? Because when you're face to face, the 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 window for misunderstanding or the gap between you two as that's called misunderstanding it's smaller when you're face to face because when you're face to face you have three areas that you can pay attention to really four areas um as i i taught yesterday in, the, in this class that i was teaching of actually four areas so you have you have words body language tone of voice and then the fourth one that i added is Intimacy, meaning intimate knowledge that you have of your partner. Use all of that to try to understand what your partner is saying. But if we go with those first three, face-to-face -face give you the most bang for your buck because you can hear the words, you can see the body language, and you can hear the tone. Over the phone, all you can do is hear the words and the tone, but you cannot see body language. And then if it's written, which you should never, ever have a difficult conversation or a serious conversation via text or email or anything like that. But with with text, with written messages, all you have is the words. Now, you think that you can decipher tone, but you really can't. Right? You the tone that you that you decipher, you're reading into that. That's called eisegesis. <laughs> right? You're reading into uh, the text or whatever they are read, they're writing, you're reading into it and uh, you cannot determine the tone. Okay. So make sure that the conversation is face to face. Now, here's the thing about face to face with the technology we have um, FaceTime or video chat uh, 
can work. That that could be a viable substitute um, because even though it's not in person, but you can still see each other, you can hear each other, and you can see body language, you know, hear tone, whatever. So uh, it may work, but the preference is face-to-face. Okay. All right. So number three, if you're the one who needs uh, to share something, make sure you're prepared, right? Prepare your notes and everything that you're going to talk about so that you're not rambling and all over the place. Because what you want to do is, especially in difficult conversations, you want to lessen the uh, misunderstanding, not increase the possibility of misunderstanding. You want to lessen the possibility. So if you write your notes down, write your thoughts down, when you communicate them, they may be clearer because you've rehearsed them, you've looked over them, you've practiced them. And now you can just speak from a clear place and that facilitates understanding. Okay, so make sure you do that. Um, Prepare yourself before you have this talk. Uh, Here's number four. Have an intended positive outcome in mind. An intended positive outcome in mind. This will help you with staying on track. So if you know, okay, my intended outcome is is for us to um, be unified, then I got to check my attitude and make sure that I don't go off. I have to make sure that I don't use trigger words that I know it's going to send them into left field because uh, I want to make sure that my positive goal that I have in mind, make sure we can reach that, reach that as much as it depends on me, right? So have a, an intended positive goal in mind. Number five, if your partner has an issue, like if they're the one that say, hey, we need to talk, if they have an issue, hear them out completely without getting upset or being defensive, right? If you're still getting defensive when your partner brings something up, I really, 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 really hope that you work on that. I really want you to work on that because defensiveness is so destructive, but people don't realize how destructive it is. So uh, they keep doing it. But defensiveness is also one of the four horsemen. It's a way of not taking responsibility for your stuff. Okay, so. um Listen to your partner completely and hear them out before you get upset and before you get defensive. Okay, that's why I said earlier, don't be overly sensitive or don't don't get offended easily. Right. You got to work on that. Number six, make sure that neither of you when you come to the when you come to the difficult conversation table, make sure neither of you is tired, hungry or under the influence of any kind of substance. Okay, make sure you're not under any kind of influence. Neither one of you are tired, neither one of you are hungry. Why? Because it is in those times when you are most likely to say and do things that's going to make matters worse. Okay. In those times, you are more likely to mess up your marriage, mess up your relationship than to actually build it. Okay. So um, if you, we set a time, we've set aside this time to talk, but when the time comes, one of you is tired don't do it. Hungry? Don't do it. Somebody been smoking or drinking alcohol? Don't do it. Why? Because your 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 mind is not at full capacity and you need to be operating as best as you can because 
what's at stake is your relationship. Like no, no, no relationship is more important than your marriage. And so hopefully you've carved out enough time and you've planned to be able to have this conversation in a way where uh, we can do it within these two hours. And, you know, neither one of us tired, sleepy, I mean, tired, hungry or under the influence of anything. Okay. All right. Um, Number seven. Speak the truth in love. Right. Speak the truth in love. You may have heard that before. I know I've said it before. I say it often. What does it mean to speak the truth in love? Well, what it means is to share the truth. Right. Don't sugarcoat the truth. As a matter of fact, you cannot sugarcoat the truth. If you sugarcoat the truth, it no longer is the truth. It's something else because the truth does not change. So when people say, I'm not going to sugarcoat the truth, well, you can't. Usually when people say that, it's their excuse for being rude to people. I'm not going to sugarcoat. I'm just going to shoot it straight. Okay, fine. But I want you to shoot it straight in love, right? Speak the truth in love because truth is the information. That's the information I got to get to you. But love represents the relationship that we have between us. And because love is not about me, it's about the person that I'm loving. When I speak the truth in love, I'm speaking to you in a way where I am considering who you are as a person. So if I'm sharing something difficult, I don't have to be brutally honest, right? The truth itself may hurt the fact that I'm sharing it. And so my goal is to share it as gently as possible because the truth is going to hurt by itself. Why do we do that? I tell people the truth without love is like surgery without anesthesia, right? Can you imagine having surgery without anesthesia? Like, you know, they, they cutting you open and you still awake. The truth without love is like surgery without anesthesia. You may need it, but it is unnecessarily painful. Like why, why go through all that pain when it's unnecessary? Speak the truth in love. And another thing about uh, speaking the truth in love, don't forget, love has a tone. Hey, love, love sounds a certain way, right? We don't yell at human beings, any of them, from zero to 150. We do not yell at human beings. It's not productive. Unless you're trying to save their life, like, you know, keep them out of the street. Hey, hey, it's a, it's a car coming. Hey, don't cross that track. A train is coming. Other than that, we're not yelling at folk. Okay, so love has a tone. Here's number eight. Be honest and transparent. Isn't that the same thing? No, it's not the same thing. But you need to be honest and you need to be transparent. What's the difference? Honest is telling the truth when you're asked. Transparency is volunteering the information before you're asked. Right. So um, when you're having these difficult conversations, transparency is connected to vulnerability. Be vulnerable. If you can't be vulnerable with your spouse, like if you really can't be vulnerable with your spouse, whether it's you or them, y'all need to see somebody and get some help with that. Because trying to have a marriage where the vulnerability is not there, like how how do you create intimacy with no vulnerability? You can't. And a marriage without deep intimacy is just a good friendship at best, at best. 
it's the it's the level of the intimacy that separates marriage from all other relationships. Okay, don't forget that. Number nine, do not make accusations. Okay, don't blame. Don't don't do any kind of blaming. Why? Because even if even if they are at fault, you like you one thousand percent believe they're at fault for whatever you guys are talking about, right? So there is fault to be found. You found the fault. You you found yeah you found the fault. Uh, you communicating that it's not going to go well for the relationship. The goal is to have the conversation and for it to be productive, not just for you to get stuff off your chest. Like don't don't. Don't just get stuff off your chest, right? You want to make sure that the conversation is being productive. And when you're blaming or accusing someone of something, that's not going to go well as far as even if you feel like you're right, they're not going to receive it well, right? You got to know how to talk to your partner, okay? You got to know how to talk to your partner. Um, So number 10, instead of blaming them, use I statements instead of you statements, Right. No one no one can tell you how you feel. So all day you can say, I feel like you don't love me. They can't dispute that. They can say they do love you, but you cannot dispute what I feel. Now, you can try to understand why I feel the way I do, which I encourage you to do. But you can't get mad at me because I feel like you don't love me or I feel like you don't like me. I ain't make it up. Well, why am I feeling that way? Are you saying that there's nothing at all that you've done to to make me feel that way at all. Yeah, that don't make sense. So it may be in my head, but you want to find out. Okay. Use I statements. Whenever you do such and such, I feel this way. Now, notice in that I statement that I just made, I used the word you, but I wasn't using the word you for blame. I use you to state the facts. When you came in the door, you did come in the door. I'm not judging that as good or bad. When you now, if I say when you came in the house with a with a when you came in the house angry, well, now I'm accusing. I'm accusing you of being angry. I don't know if you was angry or not. I just know what your face looked like, but I don't know what that meant. When you came in the house, I felt like you were angry, so I went into the room. Right? I said nothing about you. I just told you how I felt and why I responded the way that I did. So use I statements instead of you statements. Uh, and here's here's something that I want to share with you, too. You know, you don't have to get upset when people say things to you about you that you don't like. You know what I'm saying? Like like if your partner says something that you don't you know, you're being you're so selfish. You don't have to get upset with that. Let me tell you why. Because, number one, they're human. So the fact that they're human, what that means is um they're flawed. And so because they're not God, they don't know everything. So just on the fact that they're human, I'm not going to get upset with what you're saying, because what you're saying may be coming from something inside of you. I need to figure out where it's coming from. I don't agree that I'm selfish, but let me find out why you think why you think that. And then number two, you shouldn't get upset with what people say about you because they could be wrong. Like, they could be flat out wrong. You get upset, you know. Hey, you know what? Uh, you ate my food. They could be completely wrong. Why well, am I gonna get upset about you being wrong? No. But another reason, the third reason you shouldn't get upset is because they might be right. <laughs> like, 
they might be telling the truth and you may need to hear that. So that's definitely not a reason to get upset if they're telling you something that you need to hear. Okay, so use I statements, not you statements. Right. That's number 10. Number 11. Do not bring up more than one topic at a time. Right. You can only have a difficult conversation surrounding one topic at a time. Once we resolve that or conclude that, then we can go to the next thing. But uh, you don't want to bring in other unresolved things because now that's going to throw a monkey wrench into this situation and you won't get it resolved. Right. So that's not something that you want to you want to do. OK, don't bring up more than one issue at a time. And then number 12, do not quarrel. Right. Don't quarrel. That's not a word that you hear often. Right. You, you, it's probably I don't even know the last time you heard the word quarrel if you wasn't reading the Bible. Right. But there is a definition in Webster's Dictionary for quarrel. Let me give it to you. It says a quarrel is a heated argument or disagreement, typically about a trivial issue and between people who are usually on good terms. That's what a quarrel is. So so when I say don't quarrel, I'm saying don't allow your emotions to take over the conversation. Okay, don't let your emotions take over the conversation. We have to use logic to solve problems. We cannot use emotion. Emotions will lie to you. We cannot solve problems that way. You got to use logic. Okay, here's what Proverbs uh, 20 verse three says about about quarrels. It says avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only only fools insist on quarreling. And then uh, what is this? James four, chapter four, verse one says this. What is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Right. Not not within your partner, not within your childhood, not within your parents, within you. Your 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 desires are at war within you. And so you quarrel and you fight. You get on this emotional crazy train and you hurt people. Okay? So don't 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 allow your emotions to get out of control. Okay? That's number that's number What number was that? That's number 12. Uh here's number 13. Right? If emotions do start to rise, like you're not able to you're not able to not quarrel and you start to get on the emotional crazy train, take a time out. Okay? Take a time out. Don't try to keep going. Don't try to push through. No. You got to be smart enough to know, hey, we we we're married. We're going to be together forever, so we can pick this up tomorrow because trying to fix this today and it's going left, it, all we're going to do is tear up the marriage. Okay? So, um if 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 you need to take a time out, this is how you do it. So number one, um, if you notice yourself getting emotionally aroused or, you know, I don't say emotionally aroused, but heated, upset, <laughs> you getting your you get emotionally upset, then you call a timeout. Hey, um, I think we need to take a break because I'm getting a little too upset and I don't want to be upset. I want us to finish this conversation. So Let's take a 30 minute break. And so you take a 30 minute break, not you take a 30 minute to an hour, not longer than an hour, should not take longer than an hour. 
Okay. So you're going to call a timeout. You're going to go your separate ways, right? Don't throw ugly. Don't, don't say ugly words to each other as you're leaving. So you're going to go your separate ways. You're going to go to different parts of the house or whatever, and you're going to focus on something else, something to get the conversation off your mind. Don't go in separate rooms and then start festering over the problem. That's not going to help you because when you come back to the conversation table, you're still upset. The goal is to calm down. So take that time away, 30 minutes to an hour. And then the person that calls time out is the person that calls time in. Don't have your partner come looking for you. Okay, be respectful and say, hey, you know, I'm ready to start back. And then when when your partner's ready to start back, if they call the time out, don't you be like, well, I'm not ready. Come on now. Like we're not kids. We got to be we got to be grown folk. Okay, so. Yeah, take a time out if you need to take a time out. And sometimes, so when I say, you know, you got to monitor yourself, sometimes you may be upset and your partner don't know you're upset. So they can't tell. So them taking a time out because you're getting upset, you need to monitor yourself. And if you get upset, hey, wait, time out, call a 20 second time out or something. Uh, but 20 second time out is really a 30 minute time out. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that was number, what is that, 13? Here's number 14. If there's no conclusion or resolution after two hours, then pause the whole conversation and pick it up tomorrow or at maximum the next day. Right. Don't go longer than two days. Now, this is when this is not the same as the timeout. This is when we've been we've been talking and now we didn't hit the two hour mark. It's getting late. We got to get up in the morning for work. All right. Let's table this. And then. We will pick it back up tomorrow when we have more time. OK, because after two hours anyway, your brain starts to like like it's just not a situation you want to be in. That's why when you, you know, when I'm watching First 48 and they interrogating people, I hear that they keep them in there for so long because they're trying to break them. And eventually their minds aren't working well. and They end up confessing to things that they didn't do or confessing if they did do it. Right. So. um, after two hours, that's long enough. Shut it down. Pick it back up tomorrow or the next day. Do not wait three, four, five days to come back to the conversation. That is unhealthy. You cannot have a successful marriage that way. Okay? All right. And then the 15th, the last thing is at the end of the conversation, especially, so this is this is specific to difficult conversations. You can do it in any conversations, but especially difficult conversations at the end of the conversation give each other a hug and thank each other for sharing yeah just give each other hugs you know thank you for sharing i really appreciate that now if when the conversation is over conversation is over and one or both of you is upset get over yourself uh get out of pride hug them anyway and and say what you should say anyway you know, we live our lives and do marriage um, too often from our feelings, meaning we allow our feelings to dictate our behavior. And your behavior has to be independent of your feelings because your feelings will be on a roller coaster. You'll be up one minute, down the next, sideways the next. You have to have commitment and fortitude to keep pushing forward when you don't feel like pushing forward. And so um, in your marriage, when you feel like 
uh, going off. You got to keep going to where you don't go off. Like you got to hold that in. You got to be mature. Okay. When you feel like clapping back, don't clap. Tie your hands up so you can't clap. Right. Clapping back at your partner, by the way. What's the point of that? Hey, why, why would you why would you why would you clap back at yourself? That's part, probably part of your problem. As a matter of fact, that is probably part of the problem with some marriages. If you if you if you talk to you crazy, if you talk to yourself crazy, if you mistreat yourself, how when you're upset, are you going to treat your partner better? Because watch this. You yourself don't treat you well. You and your partner, if you're married, you're one flesh. Well, you've already proven you don't treat you well. So that one flesh part of you, you're not going to treat them well either. So if you want to get better in your marriage, you have, I mean, if you want to have a better marriage, you have to get better. The only way to have a better marriage is to become a better spouse. Not wish you had a better spouse, right? You become better. You learn to love. And if you think they're trifling, okay, so then maybe the skill you have to develop is learning how to love difficult people. Hmm? I don't know, but it's possible. So anyway, I hope that was helpful for you. Uh, implement these when you need to have a difficult conversation because trust and believe there will be times when you need to have a difficult conversation. Okay, so um, join me on Monday night. That's tonight at um, seven o'clock. And we're doing seven o'clock this week because I have a client at seven. Oh, yeah, I know what I said. So, yeah, meet, meet me at seven o'clock online. I'm doing uh, the first episode of the new season of Manhood Mondays. And uh, so we're going to be doing that tonight. So join me on YouTube and or Facebook for Manhood Mondays this evening at seven o'clock central. All right. Hope you guys enjoy your day. And if no one has told you, uh, I love you. And my prayer for you is that God would bless you with his most ridiculous blessings. Y'all take care. <laughs>